Good morning and welcome to the Be Unconventional podcast. I'm your host, Rakita Harper, and I'm here to help you win this week. So let's dive right in. Before we dive right in, I want to mention a few things. I want to let you know about some updates regarding the podcast. I'm moving to YouTube soon, you guys. That doesn't mean you won't be able to log into Spotify or Apple or Google Podcasts. It just means that you'll be able to see me now. Enjoy the same podcast content along with tips on how to tap into your own creativity, how to walk out your Christ identity. And you'll even get some behind-the-scenes footage of me making new music. And I'll be posting my new music videos this year to that channel as well. If you'd like for me to be a guest on your podcast, or if you'd like for me to sing at your church or conference, you can visit RakitaHarper.com and fill out the booking information there. Lots of positive changes are happening as I am now a full-time creative. That's what I do now. So I just wanted to leave you with that little announcement before we get started with today's episode. All right, everyone, we're back. Season four, episode two, titled It Never Works Out for Them. I'm going to give you a backstory really quickly so you can understand the why behind these words. A friend of mine were talking the other day about how God had given her an assignment at work that if accepted and implemented, it could possibly change the entire trajectory of the company for the better. Now, sounds like a good thing, but the enemy has to rear his ugly head. Now, my friend had been experiencing lots of favor and it was like favor bomb after favor bomb, opportunities falling in her lap that a lot of people didn't know about, only her closest friends. And I would say, you know, I'm one of those people who just were watching in awe of the things that God had been doing with her behind the scenes. But then he decided to highlight her, give her this idea, this assignment that would literally shift the company for the better. But out came the claws. Her character has been on the verge of being marred. Her integrity has been tested and there are even some people trying to disqualify her. And while I was catching up on everything, she mentioned to me that she was tired, tired of being misunderstood, tired of being lied on. And I had experienced very similar things and really wanted to encourage my sister. I asked the Lord, what do I say to her? So I heard these words. It never works out for the people coming against my plan. I shared that with her, and as I began to unpack that, it was even ministering to me. At the time, I wasn't really going through anything per se. I wasn't really getting attacked in any kind of way, but it was ministering to me. It was like building me up as I kept unpacking that for her. And I thought, yeah, I'm probably going to have to talk about this to more people. It seems to be a little... Uh, timely, I should say, especially with starting a new year. Many of you are starting new, wonderful things. I know I talked about my word for the year, and I'm pretty sure you've all gotten your words for the year. But 
when we get a word from the Lord, it usually comes with an assignment. So I started thinking about all the things that he had me unpacking when I was encouraging my friend. And I thought, okay, how does this pertain to the assignment that I'm getting ready to embark on? And boy, has it been ministering to me for the past few weeks. And I thought, yep, this is for my Be Unconventional fam too. So it goes for all of you listening right now. Let me ask you, what what has God assigned you to do? For my friend, when I told her that it never works out for people coming against my plan, the main point God wanted her to know at that moment was that she really needed to elevate her perspective on the situation. But we all do. God wasn't saying, oh, it never works out for them because I'm going to strike them dead if they come against my plan. He's not doing that anymore. God's not punishing people and judging people and killing people for coming against his anointed ones. Like that's very Old Testament, not even happening Um, All of his wrath and judgment was poured out on the back of Jesus. And so now when people come against you, the believer, the child of God, what they have done is receive deception from the enemy as truth. And they're being used by the enemy to come against you. Right. And because whoever's using them has control over their lives. They do it to their own demise. The enemy steals, kills, and destroys. God gives life and life more abundantly. But if you yield yourself to the enemy, he's going to cause all kind of trouble for your life. That ain't God. That's the person that you're submitted to, Satan. Okay? So I wanted to throw that in there for free. Now, (laughs) um, but we got to elevate our perspective, you guys. That's what God means by, hey, it never works out for them. Focus on what works focus your attention on what does work so you may be saying how do I know that what I'm even doing is from God though let's start there before we go into how can we be so sure that it's going to work let's start with how do I know that what I'm doing is from God so number one does it make you uncomfortable sometimes God will call us to do things that are out of our comfort zone So we can fully trust and depend on him to get it done. And there are gifts and talents that he puts on the inside of us that we have yet to give birth to. So he calls us into the deep, into the impossible situations so that what he put in us will come out. We never know what we're capable of until we're on the other side of fear, until we're on the other side of anxiety or the discomfort. Number two, do you have peace about what you're doing? There is a such thing as having peace and uncertainty at the same time. Just because you're uncomfortable doesn't mean that it's not God. And just because you're uncertain doesn't mean that it's not God. A good example of that is when my husband and I heard the word to move to Colorado. We knew in our hearts that this was a God thing because it's something we would never ever choose for ourselves. And the circumstances surrounding our decision I mean, his mother was recently widowed. We only lived 30 minutes away from her. Um, It just would seem right for us to stick around and help her and love on her and all these things. But we were like, but we heard a word. So there was peace because of the word. 
but there was uncertainty because of the circumstances. So these things can exist at the same time, but peace overrules uncertainty. The Bible talks about peace surpassing understanding. That's exactly what that feels like. I can't explain how in the world I have peace, yet I have no idea how this thing is going to work out for me. All I know is that I have peace. I don't know how it's going to turn out for my good. I don't know what kind of bumps are in the road just yet. I just know I got peace. Number three, does what you're doing only benefit you? God's plan is never solely beneficial to the one he called to carry it out. When God has an assignment for an individual, it usually requires much sacrifice on that person's part. And the reward for carrying it out is great, but it's never just for that person. When the angel of the Lord came to Mary and told her that she would give birth to the son of God. Well, what a privilege it was for her to be chosen to do that. But it didn't come without persecution or opposition. The sacrifices that she and Joseph made just to carry out the plan ended up blessing the entire human race. Seriously. So that is, these are just a few ways that you can judge whether or not the assignment you're on is from God. So now, how can we be so sure that what God said is going to work? Isaiah 55, 11 in the Amplified Version says, So will my word be, which goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me void, useless, without result, without accomplishing what I desire, and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. It literally says, my word will not return to me without result. It has to work because he said it. He's not a liar. If God said it, that settles it. He's going to do it. It's going to work. We can see throughout the Bible from Genesis to Revelation that in order for God to have his will accomplished in the earth, he has to use people. But we know this about the devil too. That's why for every God-given assignment, there's a devil-given assignment to come against it. We know that what we're called to do doesn't come without some form of persecution or opposition. And there's a difference between the two. They're not the same. Those words are similar, but persecution comes from the outside. That's when, when we suffer with from the world, people who hate our God um, people who hate your political stance, when they come against that, that's considered persecution. Um, you know, your ethnicity, right? Hostility and ill treatment against your religion, your ethnicity, things like that. But opposition is just resistance, um, or dissent expressed in action or argument. That's what the dictionary says a group of adversaries or competitors as in a rival political party or sports team. It's where the word opponent comes from. But Jesus tells us of all this. He warns us of all this. He, he, he made sure we understood what came with serving him. Um, I believe it's Mark 10, 29, 30. Uh, Truly, I tell you, 
Jesus said, there's no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the gospel who will not receive a hundred times more now at this time houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields with persecution and eternal life in the age to come. So yeah, I'm going to restore all of that because you left all of that to serve me. It's just not going to come without persecution. Thanks, Jesus. But it's the truth though, right? First Peter 4.12 in the CSB version says, Dear friends, don't be surprised when the fiery ordeal comes among you to test you as if something unusual were happening to you. Instead, rejoice as you share in the sufferings of Christ so that you may also rejoice with great joy when his glory is revealed. The Passion Translation of that passage says, Beloved friends, if life gets extremely difficult with many tests, don't be bewildered as though something strange were overwhelming you. Instead, continue to rejoice for you in a measure have shared in the sufferings of the anointed one so that you can share in the revelation of his glory and celebrate even greater gladness. So again, we see here that the Father God gives an assignment. Where he gives an assignment, there's a promise attached to it. That's how I see it. If God gives you an assignment, there's a promise attached to it. And there's warning of persecution and there will be opposition. Okay. (laughs) All right. Now. I hate to say this, but we learned that persecution is typically from the outside. Um, Opposition can be from the outside too, but it leaves room for you to infer that opposition can also come from within. This is really sucky though, Um, because when it comes to the body of Christ or your household or somebody in the same company or department as you, um, you would think, hey, we're on the same team. Why are you fighting something that's going to benefit you too? Well, jealousy, envy, it happens. And I hate to say it, but it does. Um, Their own selfish agendas and unwillingness to see the bigger picture makes them fight against the plan of God. Now we've seen that throughout scripture too. Look at Noah. Literally just yesterday, one of my friends posted um, online a meme that said Noah didn't stop building the ark to explain himself to every doubter and hater keep building and let the rain do the talking I loved that quote it's true though I mean you you got a man that heard a word from God to do something weird (laughs) and um and it took a long time for whatever he was building it for to come to pass like rain what's that this dude is crazy but he didn't have time to stop and explain himself to people who doubted him we even look at nehemiah it's nehemiah i've shared this passage of scripture before in another episode um but nehemiah was one in the bible who uh he learned that the wall in jerusalem was destroyed and that it needed to be rebuilt. So he prayed and asked the king that he served if he could go back home to rebuild it. The king gives his authorization. 
and even some aid like money and all that, those things. And so on Nehemiah went, he and the Jews rebuilt the wall, but he was met with opposition. So Nehemiah four, chapter one says, now it came about that when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became furious and angry and mocked the Jews. He spoke in the presence of his brothers and the wealthy men of Samaria and said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Are they going to restore it for themselves? Can they offer sacrifices? Can they finish in a day? Can they revive the stones from the dusty rubble, even the burned ones? Now Tobias, the Ammonite was near him and he said, even what they are building, if a fox should jump on it, he would break their stone wall down. Go down to verse six, and this is our model verse. Nehemiah says, so we built the wall and the whole wall was joined together to half its height for the people had a mind to work. Let me tell you something. When God gives you an assignment, you have to keep your mind focused on the work, not the people coming against the plan. The reason they were able to do what they did is because their minds were on the work. It says they had a mind to work. And when you partner with God's word to accomplish what the word is set out to do, this is how you have to do it. You have to have a mind to persevere. Right? So what happened in the end? Nehemiah and the Jews prevailed. Throughout the book of Nehemiah, you'll read about several instances of people trying to knock him off his game. And it got so bad, he had to instruct the Jews to work with a tool in one hand and a weapon in the other. But whatever you do, keep building. And it's the truth. You have to protect the assignment that God gave you too. It's not about just having a mind to work it. But you also have to have a mind to protect it. You got to be mindful of the people, places, and things that could harm the working of the assignment. You know, you, you got to be aware of all that. Protect the assignment that God gives you. All right. Another example we have is the prophet Elijah. Let's take a look. First Kings chapter 19. Now, the story that I'm referencing about Elijah is one that a lot of us can identify with. Crazy thing, though. In chapter 18, Duda just got finished calling fire down from heaven. He confidently was coming against the prophets of Baal and showing the people who was really in charge, the God of Israel. He was showing them who had his back, which God was real, right? So, but in chapter 19, he starts running for his life. Let's find out why Elijah was running. So, uh, after he had called the fire down from heaven and made a mockery out of all the prophets of Baal and all those things, Ahab told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with a sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah. This is chapter first Kings chapter 19 verse 2 so Jezebel sent a messenger she didn't even come to him face to face she didn't find where he was 
and look him in the eye and give him this threat. She sent a messenger to Elijah saying, may the gods punish me and do so severely if I don't make your life like the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Verse three, Elijah became afraid and immediately ran for his life. Come on, you guys. Come on, you guys. The same prophet that was calling down fire from heaven, making a mockery out of the prophets of Baal, is now afraid and fleeing for his life. You got to be kidding me. No, we do that all the time. We do that all the time. So what, how do we do that though? Well, some of you, you just got, you, you lead worship on the platform singing about how great is our God. And then as soon as you get off the platform, your, your light bill is due and now you crying and afraid. And it's like, we do this all the time. The disciples had just seen Jesus feed the multitude got in a boat and a storm came and they were like, do you not care that this is happening to us? Come on. Come on, y'all. We do this all the time. One of the most powerful prophets in the Bible is running away because of a threat from someone who was coming against the assignment of God on his life. He had just gotten finished proving that God was with him, that God had his back proving that God had truly called him to the office of a prophet. And because Jezebel is threatening him, he's running away. The Bible says a few verses down that angels came and brought Elijah food so he could eat before his 40 day, 40 night journey all the way up a mountain. Now, how sweet is that of God to send angels to feed you while you're on a flesh journey to run away from the assignment he gave you? He's so sweet like that. Now check out this encounter he had with God though. Let's look at um First Kings chapter 19. We're going to look at verse 9 now. And God says to Elijah, What are you doing here? What are you doing here? And verse 10, Elijah replies and says, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of armies. But the Israelites have abandoned your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are looking for me to take my life. Nah, bruh. (laughs) Nah. So, I'm going to go to um, verse, let's see. I think it's verse 13. Yeah, verse 13. Where God says to Elijah again, what are you doing here? What, what, say that again, what you doing here? And then Elijah answers with the exact same thing. But what does God tell him? In verse 15, the Lord says, uh, go and return the way from the way you came back to the wilderness of Damascus, gone and go back to where you came from. When you arrive, you are to anoint Hazel as king over um, Adam. I don't even think I'm saying that right. I don't think I'm reading this right. But uh, verse 16, you are to anoint Jehu 
as king over Israel and Elisha as prophet in your place. So basically God is giving him another assignment. You run away from an assignment, run into God on your way away from the assignment God gave you only for God to ignore your flesh and give you a whole other assignment because you gonna do what he t- he gonna get his word accomplished in earth and Elijah you the man for the job everybody done seen it <laughs> gone back to where you came from son and uh do this when you get there God asked him twice what are you doing here both times he responded with an excuse. God will excuse your flesh in order to execute his plan. Notice he gave Elijah another assignment. And in so many words, God said to Elijah, go back. I got your back. Man, it's getting good. Now we're coming to another situation in the Bible where the antagonist is really out of control in this story y'all it's queen esther and i think the correct way to say his name is haman but you know in texas we just say haman i think everybody in america says haman but anyway when it comes to queen esther she had an antagonist from within this was somebody in her camp so her husband the king had recently appointed Haman. Well, he wasn't her husband yet. But the king had recently appointed Haman as a top-level leader. Haman had all the influence on the king's decisions. And the people under him had to bow down to him. But Esther's uncle Mordecai refused to bow down. So Haman started plotting the demise of not only Mordecai, but the Jewish people in the land. Haman had received advice from his own wife to build the gallows that he planned to hang Mordecai on. This is so trifling. But God had another plan in mind. He sent Esther on an assignment. Now God knew that Esther would be able to capture the king's heart. So once she told her husband the plan that his top advisor had, to rid the Persian empire of her people, the king ordered that Haman be hanged on the very gallows he built for Mordecai. Needless to say, it didn't work out for him. Then you got King David and Saul. King Saul became so jealous of David that he too was driven to many attempts to murder, to murder David. So we're seeing a pattern here of people in your camp, people closest to you can be used by the enemy to come against the assignment that God gave you. But will you persevere? Will you stand? The greatest example of all is Jesus and Judas. That's to me, that's like the ultimate example of good versus evil. But we know how Judas sold Jesus out and was used by the enemy to try to stop the plan of God, but it didn't work out for him either. And here's what I want you to know. Hebrews 4 verses 15 and 16 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Verse 16, Therefore, 
Let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. We see that whenever God gives us an assignment, it's going to be tempting to run away, to hide, to quit, just to ease the pressure off. But Jesus knows what that feels like. And when God gives you an assignment to accomplish his plan in the earth. Yes, it comes with opposition. Yes, it comes with persecution, but it also comes with a promise. And he knows you're going to get weak. That's why he had, look, (laughs) that's why God provided food for Isaiah on that journey. I know that this is hard for you. God knew why Elijah was there. He just wanted Elijah to realize that he was tripping. But God knew, God knew Elijah just needed a word. Man, just because you're doing what God called you to do don't mean that it's not going to get hard sometimes. It doesn't mean that you're not going to get weak doing it. It doesn't mean that you're not going to lose a little bit of sleep or shed a few tears. It doesn't mean any of that. The good news is that Jesus knows what that feels like. When God gives you an assignment, he also gives you access. Access has been granted to you to come boldly and freely before his throne to receive the grace that you need to get the assignment done. Jesus knows exactly what that feels like. I know you want to ease the pressure off, but I'm convinced that oftentimes pressure is a sign of privilege. And what a privilege it is to be called by God, appointed by God, and assigned to to carry out a very significant part of God's will in the earth. And I assume that that would bring some pressure considering that the call of God on our lives isn't solely to benefit us, but it's for us to give birth to something that will draw people closer to him. So my advice to you is don't allow the concern for your critics To turn into fear of man. I don't know what preacher said at first. But we've all heard at some point that. um, Delayed doesn't mean denied. Right. Or delayed but not denied. I don't know who said that. But it's been floating around for a long time now. But in other words. People may come with their selfish and evil agenda. That may delay you getting to where you're supposed to be. But you're not denied access. So I'm going to take it a step further. And I'm going to even say that you may be hindered. But you can't be. It it, it can't be halted, right? Hindered, but not halted. How corny is that? But I mean, I'm, I'm being honest, though. Like things may be in your way. You may have some obstacles, but it's not going to stop the plan of God for your life. It's not going to stop the 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 word that he's using you to carry out and get accomplished in the earth however the only way you won't get to the place God has for you is if you forfeit it we can go back to the same examples as before and see throughout scripture where they had a choice to persevere or pass are you going to persevere Or are you going to pass it on to the next person? 
They could have done the exact opposite of what they knew God wanted just because it got difficult or because their enemies seemed greater than they did at the time. But I want to encourage you with this today. It never works out for the people that come against God's plan. But we know that his word will not return to him void and it has to come back with results. And God has chosen you to carry out part of his plan in the earth. Stay focused on what works and not what doesn't. If you're listening to this, but you haven't made the decision to receive salvation through Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity to do so. The Bible says in John 10, 10, that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. He's a dream stealer. He's a dream killer. He's a dream destroyer all at the same time. But that very same verse says Jesus comes to give you life and life more abundantly. So repeat after me this simple prayer of salvation. Jesus, I confess that you are my Lord and Savior. I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. By faith in your word, I receive salvation now. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for giving me access to your grace and to your mercy. Amen. And like I always say, you guys, just like that, welcome to the kingdom of God. Today is the first day of the best days of your new life. If this podcast has been a blessing to you in any way, please let me know so I can celebrate with you. You can do that by subscribing to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leaving a review. Or you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Be Unconventional and leave me a private message. As usual, I want you to be encouraged, be empowered, and be inspired. But most importantly, I want you to be unconventional. <laughs>